You're listening to the Women Talking About Learning podcast. My name is Andrew Jacobs. Welcome. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode, the conference one of the Women Talking About Learning podcast. This episode, as I mentioned a little while ago, is a little bit different. It was recorded at the Learning Technologies Digital Experience event a couple of weeks ago, and the panel were live and taking questions and comments from the attendees. We also, for the second time, had three guests. Our first guest is Dana James Edwards. Dana is a diversity, inclusion and belonging specialist, and I've wanted her on the podcast for a while. She has an independent consultancy that's been established for almost six years. Our second guest is Rita Sukrit. Rita's a learning strategist and has been working in learning in a number of years in a range of roles and organisations, most recently in Canada, but has also worked in Saudi and in Belgium. Our third guest is Kate Graham. Kate is head of content at the Fosway Group, is someone I consider to be a friend. Kate was inspirational in developing the Women in Learning initiative, and it's because of people like her that this podcast exists. The podcast experienced a few recording issues, but we do seem to have ironed out the worst of them. This is Women Talking About Learning. This is Dana Rita and Kate talking about conferences. So I suppose we, in thinking about this, didn't we, we, we wanted to kind of say hello and introduce, you know, Andrew's done an introduction, but we kind of wanted to or, orientate the listeners to the podcast, to our voices, didn't we, and say hi. And then we've got so many things to kind of talk about. So I guess like Dana and Rita, if you just want to say something, then we can get into it, right? I can go. Hi everyone, I'm Dana. This is Dana's voice that you're hearing. Rita, have we got a delay for you? Yes, yes. I think I just had a little snag with my internet, but good morning. Hello everyone, it's morning here in Canada. Very, very excited to be here. And so we sort of thought that there were different kind of pots to talk about, didn't we? Pots of topics around conferences. Um, And there's you know, there's speaking, there's attending, there's networking, there's follow-up, all of these things. Um, And so do we want to kind of start with the speaking bit? I think we should. It's like the most popular question that we got asked when we put topics out there for people to respond to. Yeah. And so, I mean, everybody attending Mm -hmm. uh, this session for Learning Technologies will know Don Taylor. And as chair of the conference, uh, he, every year, I know for a fact, gets lots of um, unsolicited speaker submissions from men. But he does not receive anywhere near the same quantity, if any, from women. So that, I think, is a really interesting kind of place to start on on kind of home turf and about the speaking. So, you know, is it just that we as women don't feel like we can put ourselves forward? We just lean back and wait to be asked. Okay, I actually if I'll jump in here and say I want to make two comments. Um, When I worked in Belgium for a couple of years, it was for the Chemical Association and we spoke at conferences all the time. 
And because I was in the job and ChemWatch was arranging and organizing it, they would come to us and say, okay, this is what we want. We want these speakers. And perhaps it was because I was there in the learning realm. That was my task to go out there and speak right across the European market. Then coming back to Canada, what I realized last year, I was invited to speak at three different conferences. And I don't, I was thinking about it and thinking about it. And what I remember one gentleman saying to me was that I would attend sessions because we hit COVID last year. And as I was in the session, I'd be speaking and putting out my thoughts and my comments and my experiences. And people were actually listening. And he reached out to me and he says, you know, you have something to say. I think you should be speaking at some of our e-conferences. And that's what led me to speaking to a couple of conferences last year. And then, of course, I started to, I took on a project and that used up so much more of my time. And again, today, I'm really happy because Andrew reached out to me and said, hey, why don't you join us at this women conversation? That's so thank you so much, Rita. I think this is such a really interesting topic because, Kate, when you first said, oh, Don doesn't get so many solicitations from women speakers, I'm going to be honest with everyone who's listening. I thought, you can do that? You can write to people or reach out to people and ask to be a speaker? I mean, that had never occurred to me legitimately it never occurred to me that that that's how you do it right that you could reach out to people and ask to be a speaker and I don't know if anyone else who's out there listening had that moment of realization um uh, that certainly stood out for me that you know that's a possible route and that I could have potentially been doing it all of this time. You're right, Kate. I maybe have been very <laughs> passive, and I am one of those who's been uh, more passive about the way that I approach speaking roles, hadn't considered the option of putting myself out there in that way. But I think what I do well is uh, I'm present on social media, I network, and so the opportunities come that way instead of me mm -hmm. uh, reaching out to conference organizers and providers. Yes, but I think it's great that you raise that and so that people know that, hey, that's an option, right? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I can see Don's in the chat there and said, I can assure you that you can do it. So that's a note to everybody listening either live today or, or, or later on. And Stella, hi Stella, um, has asked in the questions, what are your top tips for soliciting speaker slots? And that for me is a really interesting one because when we did our tech rehearsal for this the other day, um, and I don't know if anybody listening is a, is a Grey's Anatomy fan, but we talked about there's an award, a medical award in this make-believe medical show. Um, and somebody asked, you know, how am I ever going to win this award? And one of the doctors says, it isn't, don't have the goal of winning the award, just do good work and that will lead you towards you know the winning so i think to kind of try and answer stella's question like yes you can put yourself forward and i'm delighted that people who didn't realize that like dana you know now know that that's a possibility but what what are you going to talk about you know you've got to have something to say and i think that is where you know the kind of focusing mm -hmm. on doing a great job in whatever guise you're in and there are loads of different guises for us in the industry mm -hmm. um then that is really the key to it because 
you know, someone like Don putting the agenda together for the conference or, or any other conference organisers, they need themes, they need hot topics, they need to show, you know, impact. There's got to be a good story behind what you're, what you're pitching. So I think sort of, yes, mm -hmm. absolutely put yourself forward. Mm -hmm. Don't just wait for your work to be discovered, I would say, but lead with the work, lead with something that you've done mm -hmm. that is super interesting, super current or something like that. I also think um, that putting mm -hmm. the, your work out there is really important. So, for example, since I've started posting clips of myself on YouTube, talking about various topics and leading sessions, the speaking opportunities have come more and more. So I would definitely recommend when people think mm -hmm. about you, can they see what the experience would be like maybe in advance? That is always really useful and helpful. There are so many opportunities that I get people saying, okay, I saw you on social media, or I saw you on mm -hmm. YouTube, and I liked this, so will you do this? Um, I think sometimes we can be a little bit modest and shy uh, that's something that I struggled with culturally as well yeah. that I had to overcome. And there is nothing wrong with showcasing what you can do. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I totally agree and, and on board with everything you're saying. I, and I'm in that realm too where we sit behind in our in our home office or in our desk and we work and we work really hard. We have a lot of talent that's so hidden and untapped. And right now, like where I am, currently working, they are blown away with some of the creativity that comes from myself and my partner as we design the learning and digitize your solution. And they're looking at us and saying, oh, I never thought about that, or I never thought about that, or I never thought about that. And whenever they hit us with something, we're just bouncing back with ideas and just throwing it at them. And our talents are so, you know, within ourselves, and somehow we are not framed or, or or designed to put it out there like others. And I wish I had that more in me. And so when when people come to me and, and said to me, like the gentleman last year, and he says, you know, I really enjoy what you're saying and it makes sense and why people are thinking and listening to you and how you're applying your skills and your knowledge and all the years of experience you have, you need to put that out there. You need to share that. So that's really, that's interesting, uh, Dana. I think I'm on, totally agree yeah, with you. Yeah, I, I would say the same thing. I mean, I, I, you know, anybody that knows me knows I'm quite happy to jump in front of a video or, or do whatever. And um, Danny Seals asked me on his podcast uh, last year, he said, how, how do you do that? What would your tips be to somebody that's scared of doing that? And I, I always say like you just have to get over yourself, which is easy. I know it's a lot easier said than done, but there's a guy on yeah. my LinkedIn and he wanted to do some video content and was really nervous about it. So he set himself a challenge in January, just gone, and every day forced himself to make and post a short video to LinkedIn. And by the end of January, he's like, oh, hi, here I am, you know, here I am again. And, and I think, dude, like... <laughs> To put yourself out of your comfort zone is really hard and you do have to have something to say um but i think to do something like that and just yeah. get over any fear because frankly if you're going to stand up in front of 200 people whether that's online or or in a room you should find the confidence even if you're faking it to be able to put yourself out there and do something like a, a video i think i completely agree with that as well and you don't have mm -hmm. to love it 
And I'm saying this as someone who absolutely does not love it. And you're probably thinking, Dana, that is untrue. We see you all the time on camera. But the people, oh, yeah, yeah. The people who are closest to me know how much I dread uh, doing it. And I have to, like, still, I still sometimes have to work my courage up to, to do these um, and putting myself out there and being public, it still feels strange to me, but I keep doing it. And I'll tell you, every single time, it gets easier and easier and easier. And so I look forward to the day where I don't dread it. It hasn't happened yet. But you know what? I'm still doing it. And so I think part of this process is also about challenging ourselves to to keep putting ourselves up there because when you do one thing other opportunities come so for example uh, I think part of the reason why I'm on this yeah. panel today is because I sent in a clip for Andrew's imposter syndrome episode of the podcast, right? So you do one thing and then the next thing and then the next thing comes and the next thing comes. But you have to do the first thing, right? In order for mm -hmm. the other things to follow. So we absolutely have to keep mm -hmm. stepping up mm -hmm. and challenging ourselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Million percent. And and I would just say as well, I think there's two things that I would just add to that really quickly. One is quite often you can carve out a niche for yourself and then it becomes quite a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, oh, we want we need something about diversity and inclusion on, on the agenda. Like who do we know that can talk about that? Oh Dana, yeah, I've seen her before, she's awesome. And then all of a sudden it just becomes mm -hmm. this virtual circle like once you're in mm -hmm. i think there's there's definitely an element of that mm -hmm. and then the other thing i would say echo something don mm -hmm. said in the chat there is about you know make it easy for the conference organizer to understand like what you what you want to talk about but also you know reply to stuff be reliable be on time it, it sounds so stupid yeah. like, but those little things yeah. when you're juggling yeah. a million balls as a conference organizer make all the difference so kind of really be on it and really be proactive I think as well would be part of my advice for anybody looking to mm. to get into conference speaking yeah well if I may add as well last year when I did I said I did three earlier and the first one huge amount of preparation huge amount of time went into me pre putting that uh, presentation together. And then the second one I learned from the first because of the questions that came to me. And by the third one, I was so relaxed in it. So maybe the first time it seems daunting or it's just overwhelming and you're putting all this time into creating your presentation, but trust me, it does get easier and it does become seamless after the second and third one. And the more input you get from people, it really refines it and it really hones down the presentation as well. Yeah, and there's a question from mm -hmm. Michelle. So it says, do you think that too many women think that they don't have things to say or enough say to be a speaker? I'm going to let you guys answer that first. Uh, Dana, you're smiling. I'll let you go in and I'll jump, jump in. Go um, ahead. I think that <laughs> women have a lot to say. The question is whether or not we believe that we do, right? I, I think that is the question. And to respond to this, I'm also going to tell you some more truth. Uh, last week, I was asked to be a keynote speaker for a conference. It took me five days to respond, to say, yes, I absolutely would do it. And I spent those five days really thinking, oh, my God, can I do this? Do I have enough things to say? Will I be able to say it? That sort of thing. Um, and I think that that is natural. Uh, 
and something that we have to work harder towards overcoming because we do have a lot to say but lots mm -hmm. of this putting yourself forward is about self-belief and yeah you you have to mm -hmm. understand mm -hmm. that the material is there mm -hmm. and to add to that dana as well i think some of it too might be cultural because I mean, I grew up in a very traditional household where boys had really different relaxed rules and the girls had really tight, stringent rules. And we were always uh, taught, you know, in this uh, realm, but growing up and trying to break that barrier, break down those um, walls was not easy. And I have something to say, and I think I should be heard too. Why not? Right? I'm listening to you and others and so on. So why not? Why wouldn't you? And I realize that because, um, you, you know, you, you listen to people and you learn from them and you take away and you mimic and you imitate what they say and you try to duplicate it in your own lives. And I think I do believe we have that effect on other people as well. It's sort of reciprocative. Yeah, I 100% I, mm -hmm. I agree. And I think that we definitely do have enough to say but i think we probably question it more um as you know to sort of stereotype a bit and and the the andrew's um episode on the imposter syndrome i quite i felt you know it's quite emotional listening to some of it because you know, people talked about um you know their childhood mm -hmm. and some of the things that kind of hold them back and i think we all get those voices and you know men get them too but it's how well we can Mm -hmm. put them to one side and I can see Simon's in the chat he said he was nervous mm -hmm. before he smashed his session can I just say um yesterday um but also <sighs> Stella makes a really good point as well she said she kind of thought previously that she had to have something brand new to talk about at every presentation and I think that that is not at all mm -hmm. because not everybody is going to be in that one True. room and mm -hmm. you might have a core message that mm -hmm. you're desperate mm -hmm. to try and hammer home. And, you know, I mean, we have stuff we talk about Fosway that we repeat a lot because mm -hmm. the, we D keeps making some of the same mistakes, right? So actually there's there's often a common thread in, in what we talk about. So repetition isn't, and that's how we learn a lot, right? By repetition. So that's not a, a bad thing either. So we don't always have yeah. to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. Kate, I don't know if you saw, we had a great question come mm -hmm. into the chat mm -hmm. from Simon, who's asking, what's the bigger challenge? Is it having mm -hmm. something to say or is it about the confidence element that we've been so brave in talking about in the session? What oh. do you guys think? Wow. I have to say my confidence didn't really come till I was maybe closer to 40 it came so much later in life. I know it sounds, it's really sad, actually. And it's, I don't know, like you go through your whole life and you're, you're existing. And then suddenly you wake up one day and you just, it just hits you like, I've worked, I'm educated, I'm this, I've that, I've traveled, I've, I've, I've got experiences. And why not, right? Why not? That's what we're here for. And, and I actually belong to another group, which is Women Heart to Heart. It's based out of Geneva, and it's all women across the globe. And it moves me to hear some of their stories and how they've evolved and come out of tragedy and turned that around into something very positive. So when I when I hear confidence, 
I, I know it took me a very long time to get to that comfort stage. And I don't know if it was because of the, the fact that the, the fear or shyness or income, I don't know what it was, but it's a combination, a combination of many things that brought me to that stage. And I was closer to 40 before I actually said, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this now. So, so it's really interesting because I'm the flip reverse of that. I'm completely the opposite. So I don't, I don't lack for the confidence bit, I suppose, even though a lot of the time I'm faking it till I make it, to be to be mm-hmm. honest. Um, but um, I'm going to share my soul a little bit here now. But yeah, my sense of imposter syndrome comes from the having something to say bit. So working for someone like Fussway makes that really easy because we've got loads of stuff to talk about. We have great stuff. I mean, I'm in one of the most privileged positions ever you know the access to the data and everything that we've got but i suppose my sense of imposter syndrome comes from mm-hmm. i'm not an analyst i'm not i've not been an lnd practitioner so what am i what am i talking about and how am i talking about that and that's where my sense of the challenge comes from to answer simon's question mm. it's so interesting mm-hmm. to hear yeah. both of your perspectives. dean i would love to hear you thoughts uh for me when it comes to anything that's equity oh, diversity and inclusion i have many things to say so it's not an issue of not having the content or running out of things to say that i Dana, want to you're say breaking up. Uh, but the confidence i am working on um i am also in the school of fake it until you make it yeah. and i'm doing that and it gets yeah, I, easier I, I, every day i really agree with that i think yeah just it does get easier the more you do it it's like running kind of yeah i'm just trying to see yeah. what other um what other mm-hmm. questions we've got coming in okay uh, so karen if you internally want to move to the higher mm-hmm. places in the lnd world is it then more needed as a woman to be seen in the lnd world on conferences etc to have recognition inside the company or would you think that it does not matter uh I would I would personally say um, if you're in house, Karen, then it's that's not always the case. Um, I but I think if you're within a company, right? But if you're looking to think about maybe your next move or build a profile for yourself, where you might be able to, you know, move into different companies and things like that, I would say that it's. It's partly the profile, but also the networking, that going to events and getting involved in this stuff will get you. Um, so it's probably not, so it doesn't probably matter so much for in-house, I would conjecture. Um, but I think in terms of building your network and, you know, sort of um, not, not succession planning, but thinking about your future proofing is the word I'm searching for, thinking about future proofing your path and future moves mm-hmm. then building that network and that profile will really help with that. I don't know what you guys think. Uh, well, I've been in L&D more than 20 years. And I only in the last 10 years, I would say I've been speaking at conferences and so on. Um, I feel like it's a personal choice. Like you, you've got to find your passion and you've got to find what moves you. Um, but 
uh, okay, I've been consulting for about 18 years and with L&D, there's not just one area that you have to be mastered in. There's several areas. And now even with COVID, we've shifted things and there's new trends like learning in the flow of work and human centric and human intelligence as opposed to artificial intelligence. There's so many trends and so on. So you've got to find your niche because if you try to hit all the mass major topics, you're not going to, you're going to miss something and you're going to come off in, you know, in insincere in what you're saying so just got to find your niche and, and master that piece i that would be my take on this question i completely agree with that so i know people who are at the top of their careers in l d who don't do conference mm -hmm. speaking because they're not interested and they've chosen a different path for mm -hmm. themselves and i think that's okay so for the person who asked that question think about if if it's for you what is it that you're trying to get out of the experience and why you want to? Because I do think it's perfectly possible to have a wonderful and varied career without mm -hmm. it. But just like Kate said, if there's a particular reason why you think it's going to take you to another level in mm -hmm. your career, and it's something that you want to do and enjoy, then by all means embrace it, which is, I, I think, I'd quite like to segue from, mm -hmm. from that into the kind of the networking and the attending conferences, if we can, just because I'm conscious of, of time. Um, and, you know, we've all walked okay. into a room and not known anybody. And it's that awful, like, day at school kind yeah. of, I'll oh, just get a coffee yeah. and I'll hang around and kind of look awkward it's awful awful and I, I you know every I think men and women hate hate that bit um but you know for me I think the kind of the nature of the digital social networking and you know we normally run an event the night before learning technologies where we gather waifs and strays together because I think if you sort of have been in a pub and met a few people you could, it gives you a lot more confidence to kind of go in and maybe make conversation over coffee or whatever it is the next day you maybe feel a bit less awkward and the great thing about being in learning is that mm -hmm. people love a chat I think once you once you break the ice like it's probably quite hard to shut people up right but I, I think the kind of you know tapping into mm -hmm. hashtags before the event and maybe reaching out to people and I had you know, I had a really nice uh, message from Nadia, who's on, on the session before, I think it was yesterday, just reaching out and saying good luck for today. And that's so nice, you know, that we can we can do that. So that would be yeah. my kind of top tip on attending is almost try and pre-meet people before you get there, especially if you don't know anyone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What I've taken away too from attending conferences, I, I used to be shy to approach people to connect with me on LinkedIn. And now I even add a little note. I attended a session earlier in the week here and I really was moved by this gentleman's um, presentation and his slides had cartoons and it was happening. And I thought, I'm going to break my own rule and send him, a, you know, I really was impressed with that presentation. And would you connect with me? And you know what? He did. He did so i think that sometimes we need to step out of our comfort zone and just say i'm just gonna go for it you know if he does he does if he doesn't it's okay and i do i really you know what i what i really like about conferences i learn so much it's not about what's trending it's not about what's happening i know what's happening i can turn on the tv i can watch my internet i can catch the news but what dana and what kate have to say 
that I can't get on the news and I can't get anywhere else. I can get it here. And that's the real, that's the human intelligence that I seek. So for me, I think I have a little bit of a different approach to conferences. You talked about walking into that room and not knowing anyone. That is my number one fear. I absolutely <laughs> freaking hate that. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, and just the thought of it sends me into spasms. I cannot, right? So for me, this whole move to virtual conferences has been so relaxing. And I know that there are people who are like, I miss a physical conference and all of that stuff and I'm like it's okay I just want to stay here on my sofa and hear what other people have to say uh, but when I do go to conferences in real life I have a system that's called the conference buddy system which is I go to the conference with someone we can go and socialize and go to other sessions and meet other people but then it's almost like you can come back home where that other person is and for me I need that comfort blanket to really uh, be able to enjoy the experience so I like to find out who else is going and who I can have as my conference buddy to really not have that feeling of walking into the tea room and not knowing every everyone I would be that person who's standing up there looking nervous with a cup of tea that I don't even drink right I am that girl so uh, the conference ready system I, 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 working out I really seriously like with the back channel and stuff for, for like learning technologies as well I think you know I mm. I had doors open for me when I started come into this event at the very beginning of my career and now it's like a comfy pair of slippers right it's like I know loads of people but it's I take that responsibility then very seriously to try and pay that forward I'm forever introducing people and trying to do that so I think as we you know as we get into our 40s or we get to a certain position in our career or it doesn't have to be age related but I think something about that sense of paying that forward and not trying to keep your network to yourself, because I think ultimately the more it grows, the better dividends mm. you kind of get from that. But Stella said almost the same thing as you, Dana. She said, um, mm. top tip I got once about networking was to adopt a host mentality. So look for someone else who looks nervous and offer to take them with you around the room. Yes, sir. Um, I really like that. And and I mean, I think, you know, it, it, I suppose it's kind of interesting as women, is there a, I like any extra sense of trepidation of going somewhere on your own? Have things kind of evolved in that sense? I mean, I suppose L&D, there are a lot of women everywhere. So it's not generally like you're walking into a room and you're the only one. That's that's almost never happened yeah. to me. I don't think in my in my whole career. So I, I'm not I'm not sure that that massively mm -hmm. that that part massively plays a part for me. Don't know if you guys have found that. It doesn't mm -hmm. for me anymore. Uh, when I first started my career, I was a woman in technology. And so going to conferences then was a whole different prospect from what it is right now. Um, now. If you're attending conferences in L&D, you're right. I feel very comfortable and very much uh, at home there. And I no longer get mistaken for a secretary or an admin person or a salesperson or whatever that used to happen back in the past, right? So I can feel comfortable in my own skin and, and, 
and welcome, mm -hmm. right? And for me, while I enjoy the comfort of being at home and attending these e conferences, I do miss that in that live session. I miss it. I mean, the last one I attended was two years ago, the ATD, the one in uh, Washington, and keynote speaker was Oprah wow. Winfrey. How can you miss that? But just they had a, uh, it was an unbelievable. But they had a, a room set up for newbies and foreign, not Americans, the Canadians are considered foreigners, even their neighbors. And I was in that uh, global meeting session, like you said, where you come meet and greet, have coffee, introduce yourselves. And you meet people right across the globe and it's just well-organized, well-executed and the networking is unbelievable. And even to this day, three almost three years later, I'm still in touch with people. So it, I, I do, I, I like both. I like having the option to do both, but in person i miss it so i miss it so um what mm -hmm. can men do to help that's a loaded question isn't it let me let me see what i feel is you know what andrew did this is indicative of what men can do he opened a platform for women to come and talk andrew uh, if you're listening my, I tip my hat to you and I thank you. And you're the kind of people that we need more of, the ones that promote women, the one that have our back, the one that, you know, put us in the limelight and you take the back seat. Man, <laughs> you rock. And I, 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 think, I think for me as well, uh, you know, it's been, it's been aware of, you know, if you're an organizer, be aware of that, you know, get away from the manuals. You know, I think I told you the story about my boss is called David. A couple of years ago, he, he keynoted at a HR conference and there were more middle-aged white guys called David on the bill for the day than there were women. But like, as an organiser, like, be conscious of that. Um, and Don's great, for mm -hmm. example, about that. Um, not all, all events are. But um, someone said... Uh, Stella said men can smile more, maybe leave gaps in conversation to enable quieter people to get in, maybe be a bit less competitive talking um, and showing off, maybe. I would agree with that. And I'd also like to add that when the networking has an element of drinks at the end, uh, personal space is really important towards making me feel safe and able to engage. You are laughing, but I know that everyone who is listening knows exactly mm -hmm. what I'm talking about, right? A few drinks in, sometimes the boundaries blur and... Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. we need to 100%. modulate um, that and uh, somebody, for safety. Somebody, somebody said something about, yeah. James has said something about a safe space to discuss these things. And um, we did a Women in Learning event um, summer of 2019, because obviously last year was a write-off. And it was really interesting because there were there weren't many men in the audience. You know, it was like a, like a token handful, which is you know great. Um, but the the way and it was set in an auditorium, and often don't like to put their hand up, mm -hmm. right? You know, often the the host or the chair will have to pick on people. But the way that the the questions flew and the way that people ended up talking, and it became sort of really collaborative. And I, I always want, I always think about that because I wonder if it felt like a safe space. And so if, yeah. if men are yeah. either in the audience or yeah. um, facilitating or organizing, how can you yeah. try to create that um, safe space? 
so that mm-hmm. women feel that they mm-hmm. can speak up mm-hmm. and, and collaborate in that scenario. Mm-hmm. I want to add something, Kate, to what you both have said. Um, the project I'm currently working on, we're totally remote, 100% remote. But a couple of weeks ago, I just wrapped up a session work with one of the subject matter experts. And we worked through the week, the weekends, and so on. And then on Sunday morning, I woke up and there's an email in my inbox. It says, um, we'd be, we'd make a great couple. I'm like, WTF, right? Like, where is this coming from? And even online, there are like people don't get their boundaries. There are demarcation lines. It's, it's like, do you know? And I, I don't it's understand. Like, how, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think understand how. There's just like it's terrible. Well, this is what I like. Does that mean because if we're online, it gives you what? What then? What happened in person? I don't know. So I had to nip that in the bud, like right right away because it ruined my day too i i keep thinking about uh something that andrew said earlier when we were chatting about this which is that when a man asks a question first uh women are more likely to ask questions subsequently and so if we can engineer it, it's always better to allow a woman mm-hmm. to ask a question first to encourage mm-hmm. other women to ask questions. And so if we're asking mm-hmm. what men can do, uh, maybe that's a good starting point. Maybe just holding back a little uh, to create that little bit of space uh, would be really helpful and help the overall experience. I think it is being, whether you're an attendee, male attendee or a male, male organiser, I think if you are just... If you just check yourself, you know, I, I, mm-hmm. I, I talk too much. So I'm constantly like, you know, try not, not try. And, and it's, but I'm conscious of it. Right. So you, and so I think if you can at least be conscious of it and try mm-hmm. to adjust your behavior accordingly, then that's got to be helpful. For sure. Um, yeah, that was, a, that was an eye opener too. When Andrew laid that fact out on the table, the first person that asked the question kind of gauges the, the, the you know the session interesting yeah, comment uh, there. so james is just mm-hmm. that having more female chairs sets the scene in my honest opinion mm-hmm. um you know so that mm-hmm. that can be that can be part of it mm-hmm. as, as well um mm-hmm. I, simon said um it's not mm-hmm. specific to conferences but um as we were in a hr function in most cases there's had more senior women in hrd type roles yet it seems the reverse in lnd are we still battling the demons of the past Good one. Good one to finish on, maybe. Good point. I mean, I think um, the theme for this year's International Women's Day is choose to challenge. So we talked a little bit about it before Andrew and I did. Um, And it's this notion of what does success look like? So for me, it's about potentially challenging the notion of what success looks like and is success being at the top. And I think success on your own terms. So yes, L&D, the the latest data we've got shows that there's still more men in senior leadership roles, but actually for women, is that what success is? Because Mm -hmm. they might want to balance their their lifestyle better, or they might want to be the best designer that they can be. They might not want managerial responsibilities. So I, I, and I don't want to make excuses Mm -hmm. for that imbalance in any way, shape or form. But I think it's interesting to to potentially challenge that notion of what good or what success looks like. 
Okay. Uh, so no, it's a very, it, very difficult thing to define what success looks like. On some days you wake up and success means this. On other days it means that your life events also gauges and drives what success means at that moment in time. I, I feel, I, I have to echo what Kate said. It's really you define it. You know what you are striving for. You you're in the driver's seat. You just do what you need to do to make you feel safe and and you know successful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I completely agree with that. I'm picking up just from the chat this little comment about women being there for women and women supporting women and this uh, session, this collaboration between us, making other people think about that for the future and going forward. And I think yeah. that's such a positive shout and way to think about things. I mean, how amazing would it be for us really to support each other in mm -hmm. whatever our definition of success is for this moment in time in our lives yeah, and, and, I, in, and the, in, our in, the, in the links um the useful resources there is a link to the um women in learning group on linkedin it's um it's not kind of massively active i wouldn't say as a community but it is a great resource in terms of connections and it's something that, you know, Sharon and I are hoping to do a bit more with, you know, it kind of wasn't the most important thing in the room in the last 12 months, unfortunately, but it is something that we're, we're hoping to build on. And we, we do get a lot of support when we, when we talk about this stuff out there. So, you know, to be able to kind of connect and yeah, just build on that and be there for each other and lift each other up, you know, without being too cheesy at the end. Um, then you know all are welcome you do have to request to join but that's just because the, of the way that linkedin works but you'll be you'll be let in if you if you ask this was such a fun session to do the interaction between the guests and the audience um was brilliant <laughs> you can't see it unfortunately but questions and comments were flinging about all over the place what was really great for me was that other people got to experience the same energy that I, I'm so lucky to have when these are recorded. The energy in this one was palpable. Massive thank you to our three guests um, who did sterling work with incredibly um, dodgy Wi-Fi connections in some cases um, to give us what I think is a, a, a fabulous podcast and one I'm going to be referring people back to again and again. There were lots of links mentioned that were talked about that were in the chat. We've lifted those and we've put them into the show notes, along with the LinkedIn and contact details of Rita, Dana and Kate. There were moments in most of the podcasts that deserve revisiting. This one was Dana's energy when she realised that she could submit proposals for speaking at events. It was just, uh, you could just feel... <laughs> the positivity um, and so we're going to do that next week we're going to take some of those moments the things that have touched the most and put them together in a special compilation episode massive thank you to everybody who's got in touch who said they would like to be on the podcast you're all heroes and we appreciate all of the comments and all of the support once again we thank you for listening and we'll see you again soon.
You have been listening to the Women Talking About Learning podcast. Women Talking About Learning is available on all podcast platforms, including Apple and Google Podcasts. You'll also find us on Spotify, Amazon Music, and other music streaming services. Make sure to like and subscribe. It helps more people find us. You can find out more about Women Talking About Learning via our website, womentalkingaboutlearning.com. Make sure you tune in next time for more Women Talking About Learning. For more of the signal and none of the noise.